Um, we'll go ahead and get started today because we have um, just a jam-packed program um, that we're incredibly proud um, to partner with the PRSA Southeast District to bring you today. Um, I'm Erin DeWaters. I'm the president-elect of PRSA Charlotte, um, a role that, that I really enjoy holding. Um, I want to do a few things before we get started here today. Uh, firstly, I want to thank our sponsors, um, McGuire George Andrews, also known as LGA, a, a Charlotte-based PR firm, is a great supporter of our chapter. Um, the company that I work for, Retail Business Services, we're part of the Ahold Delis USA family. We're also a proud sponsor um, of the PRSA uh, Charlotte chapter. Uh, in fact, I Instacarted from my local Food Lion uh, this morning uh, my pint that I have with me here for our first ever um, ice cream social and so I hope uh, many of you have your pints um, also here with you today um, and will enjoy those with us um, to add a little um, lightheartedness to an otherwise program that's you know certainly very uh, a serious topic and, and very timely. Um, part of my role with PRSA um, on our board is to oversee this year's programming, but one thing I wanted to do as we got started today is to give credit uh, where credit was due. Uh, Natasha Suber, um, who you'll meet in just a moment, is really the mastermind behind today's program. Um, she saw a really important, timely topic. Um, and she saw the, the great work that Ben and Jerry's is doing here and reached out to Sean. Um, and it's just through that one-to-one -one communication that brought um, all of us here together um, for this program. So I just wanted to um, acknowledge and thank Natasha. Um, it's very emblematic, I think, of the spirit uh, throughout all of PRSA and particularly um, in PRSA Charlotte in our chapter. Um, there are no bad ideas and there's lots of great ones and this is a really good example of that. Um, I know we also have a lot of guests with us today, thanks to the partnership um, with the Southeast District. Um, and I just want to invite you all to continue to join us on an ongoing basis for programming. Um, we've all personally and professionally done a lot of pivoting um, during the pandemic. I'm sure everybody can relate to that. We're doing that in PRSA Charlotte. Um, but really a, a high spot of that is that we've been able to offer a lot of um, either free or nominal cost um, programming. Typically we convene uh, the fourth Wednesday of each month, and we have um, lots of great uh, topics in store for the rest of this year as well. So um, now that you're connected with us, if you haven't been before, um, welcome. It's great to meet you. We're so glad that you're here, um, and I hope that you'll continue um, to connect with us for the rest of the year and check out our site um, for other programs that are coming up. Um, one final announcement before we get started. Um, we do have a, a PR awards program that we facilitate called the Queen City PR Awards. So uh, likewise to our colleagues at Ben and Jerry's who are doing great things, if you and your companies, your organizations, your nonprofits, your education institutions are also doing great things, um, we welcome you to seek some recognition for that. So please check out um, our website, prsacharlotte.org, um, and, and we encourage you to submit your application for those awards. Um, so with that, without further ado, I want to turn it over um, to Natasha Suber uh, to get us started here. Thank you, Erin. Can you guys hear me okay? Oh, good. Thank you, Erin, and thank you. Um, I appreciate your support and the support of our president, uh, PRSA Chapter President Tawanda Long, as well as our Charlotte Chapter Board, our DNI Committee, and our chapter membership. And thank you to you, Alice. Um, greetings and welcome to our Ice Cream Social. Again, I'm Natasha Suber. I'm a PRSA Charlotte Chapter Board member and a member of the Southeast District Board of PRSA. We are elated about today's guest speaker, Sean Greenwood. 
But before we welcome Sean, there's another person I'm excited to introduce, Brad Belote. Brad is chair of the PRSA um, Southeast District Board, a partner for today's event. Brad, I wanna thank you and the district board for your support of this program. Many of our colleagues from the Carolinas, from um, Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama are joining us today. So welcome, welcome everyone. Um, Brad and I will co-moderate this session and partner to manage your questions following Sean's presentation. So please use the Q&A feature, not the chat. Um, but Brad, before we get started, can you briefly share why the Southeast District Board decided to co-host this event? Well, Natasha, this really goes back um, to last fall and the leadership rally that was held as part of PRSA's international conference. And in, I had the great chance to talk with a lot of the PRSA Southeast District leaders out there, the chapter presidents, presidents-elect, and the theme that was on their mind, and give, remember this was October, was diversity and inclusion. And so as I set out to what are we going to do to support our chapter leaderships in, 2000, in 2020, it was let's put a focus on diversity and inclusion. Uh, and so with some of the programming we've had over this year, uh, we've really tried to focus on that. And then when you brought us this opportunity, it was the perfect extension of that. So um, really appreciate you bringing us this opportunity. Look forward uh, to particularly the ice cream social part. And so I, I want to take a moment, encourage everybody in the chat window. If you've got a pint, I've got I went out this morning and got the Netflix and chilled. Uh, I'm a I'm a big peanut butter fan. And this is amazing. So if you've got some a pint with you, put that in the chat window. <laughs> Uh, so we can represent for Ben and Jerry's. Fantastic. Listen, thank you so much, Brad. Um, these are important conversations and we want to encourage this kind of discourse to continue. Uh, that also underscores the timeliness of today's speaker, Sean Greenwood, who will give us the scoop on his company's activism. Since 1988, Sean has seen the triumphs and the trials during his three decades at Ben and Jerry's. His title, Grand Poobah of PR, I love that, <laughs> has been earned one scoop at a time. Along the way, he has taken a serious interest in sharing the Ben and Jerry story and mission, of course, namely that businesses can thrive when they lead with their values and consider more than simply making a profit. An El, um, Elderman, excuse me, Edelman, Report reveals that nearly two-thirds of consumers want companies to take a stand on social issues. And Ben and Jerry's has long demonstrated their support for causes that matter. And the man who supports many of those campaigns, which tallies over four billion impressions annually, is Sean Greenwood. In his role as Director of Public Relations and Communications, Sean has created programs, flavors, and managed relationships with a star-studded list of collaborators, including Sir Elton John, let that sink in for a second, <laughs> the band Fun, Ziggy Marley, Stephen Colbert, Nike, and more. Sean has com provided communication strategy for the company's Global Climate Save Our Swirled initiative. He quarterbacked the launch of The Tonight Doe, starring Jimmy Fallon, on The Tonight Show, that's one of my favorites. Most recently, he co-hosted alongside comedian Michelle Buteau, the launch event for Ben and Jerry's new Netflix partnership in flavor, which Brad had already introduced, Netflix and Chilled, and he managed the communication for the company's powerful statement following the death of George Floyd to dismantle white supremacy, which we'll definitely discuss today. In his Poobah work, Sean serves at Ben and Jerry's headquarters in Vermont, 
the Gonzaga alumnus where he earned an advanced degree can be found loafing near the research and development lab, volunteering as the taste tester, mm -hmm, all while enjoying the company benefit of three free pints of ice cream per day. I love it. And Brad, guess what Sean's favorite flavor is? Uh, I don't know. I'm surprised with three pints a day. He doesn't weigh like 400 pounds, but, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to guess, uh, the Colbert flavor. Duh. Jer Cherry Garcia, right? Uh, Sean? Uh, that's true. <laughs> All right. So without further delay, let's welcome Sean Greenwood. Raise your pint. That's a beautiful. Someone's got a picture of everyone with the pints. I got that. I have to tweet out. Uh, thanks so much for the lovely introduction uh, and for for giving the shout out. Uh, it, you know, Natasha and I talked what a month or two ago about the opportunity and uh, was really excited about being able to partner up with you folks and, and talk about what it is that we're doing. And so today I'm going to try to take you through kind of Ben and Jerry's as a case study and talk about some of the things we've been working on. I'm, I want to share with you uh, warts and all the work we've done, where we failed, where we've succeeded, where we struggle today. Uh, you know, it feels like there's this opportunity in front of us that is. Uh, uh, a real historic, uh, unprecedented place that we're in right now in the U.S. And so uh, hopefully I'll share some some things that uh, you folks find inspirational and, and definitely looking forward to the Q&A to hear more from you and, and what it is that you folks are doing out there because it's all about learning and, and doing this together. So so thanks for that. I, I do want to also mention, uh, of course, being in Charlotte, that there's a couple of Ben & Jerry shops nearby. So our, our scoop shops, right, everyone who's made it through COVID to where we are so far, uh, you know, it, it's a challenge, right, for the folks who own Ben & Jerry's franchises. Most of them are just doing takeout, and so we uh, ask you to support those folks. They do gr great local work, and there's folks, obviously, throughout south, the Southeast District. We've got a, a lot of folks, so uh, I'm going to switch to put on my slides here because it's a lot better than, than watching me visually, uh, and we will start just kind of rip through this presentation. So this starts off, you know, I, I appreciate this was part of our, our statement in terms of silence not being an option. And it's something that Ben and Jerry's uh, has been taking an action uh, on uh, most recently around race equity the last four to five years, but also just kind of on equity and, and values in general for the 42 years that Ben and Jerry's has been in business. So I, I have been lucky to be able to witness a, a three decades of that business so far. And uh, it, it's been a, a real, uh, honor and, and a real treat to be able to be part of this company. It is a unique organization. And with that being said, it's also, there's no magic sauce to it, right? There's no reason why other businesses and other individuals can't be doing this work. So I really challenge folks who are listening in today to, uh, to dig in and think about where you can jump in with your individual voice or with your corporate voice to be able to take some of the same work. Uh, I did want to share with you my Twitter account that's there in the lower right hand corner at PR Poobah. Uh, I posted some uh, a video around one of our sourcing issues. I, streaming videos on Zoom so far has not seemed to be real successful uh, so far in the last four or five months. So I, I did want to share that and we'll get to that probably in a little bit to, to talk through. But you can check out that video online and, and I'll definitely be willing to follow up with folks on, online that way as well. So to start off with, uh, click here on my screen, uh, just recently in the past 10 days or, or so, we had a tremendous loss. Uh, this is uh, Representative John Lewis, who, who most folks are probably familiar with. Uh, you know, he was a tremendous leader, uh, fearless, 
his his work in civil rights uh, in his 80 years of, of time on this earth was phenomenal and impressive. Uh, we were really fortunate to have him stop by the Benadier's office last fall to speak to our team and to uh, comment on some of the work we've been doing, challenge us on, on where we could do more things. So uh, it's just been a tremendous loss, but but knowing, uh, you know, getting to meet the man and knowing his, his uh, work, I'm sure his legacy is going to continue and that uh, you know, the way that he poses this in terms of working on good trouble, uh, I ask people to kind of keep an open mind today and, and ask yourselves, where can you get into some good trouble in doing that in, in kind of in memory of, of Rep. Lewis? To start off with the work that I do, uh, trouble that I get into at Ben and Jerry's, uh, you know, we are an activist organization. And so uh, we believe when issues are important, we take to the streets. So whether that's around uh, equality, that can be around uh, fighting for LGBTQ rights, right? Uh, ben and Jerry's has been an organization uh, that that really started 42 years ago. And, and I think we had a fair amount of gay people that were working at Ben and Jerry's. And so uh, we developed our, our company to be a supportive place for the LGBTQ And uh, with that, uh, it was because those are the people we were working with. So we'd say, oh, I'm working with Bob and Bob's gay and I want to support Bob. So I'm going to go uh, march, take to the streets and, and march and, and support uh, Bob. And, and, do that. And, and Jerry, our co-founder, was asked, why is it that you've created such a gay-friendly company? And Jerry's answer was, it's not a gay-friendly company. It is a people-friendly company. And we want to treat every person with the same respect that we all want. And so, uh, you know, that's been my experience of, of uh, you know, starting out as a young guy in my early 20s, coming into a company that would talk about those issues that was unheard of at that time. And so being able to have that experience has been tremendous. And, and this idea of uh, then incorporating that into your act, into your everyday act, right? So the idea of working and having gay people there, becoming LGBTQ supportive, marching in the streets, uh, then the company began to get more structured in its support, where we were one of the first businesses in the late 80s to offer uh, same-sex uh, partners benefits, health benefits, to say, if you're in a long-term relationship with a same-sex partner, we want to sign off on. And so from there, it escalated. So we would take to the streets and march in New York City, and, and we put out flavors to support that. So that's how uh, we weave in taking a stance. Our, our co-founder, Ben, says business is the most powerful source in uh, of, of power in, in society today. And so being that that's where all the money goes, that's where the influence happens. How do we use business for good. When the guys were in business for the first year, Ben came up with the saying, business has the responsibility to give back to the community. And that's what we still try to practice. We'll be talking about our mission statement in a little bit as well as where we, where we elevated that statement. Uh, but what, so what you see there, the top left-hand corner picture is me and my lovely family uh, down in Washington, D.C., marching for the climate march a few years ago. Ben and Jerry's rented out a, a train car, and uh, we all jumped on for the 13-hour train ride down to D.C., marched for a few hours, and then train ride back to Vermont. Uh, so that's the way that we try to activate our company. If you believe in it, you're going to take to the streets and, and march about it. Uh, also, this is kind of my brag reel. So uh, the, the middle picture is uh, when we launched our Bonnaroo's ice cream uh, as a, as, as a semi-professional musician who get paid to get out and play, but uh, not paid that much, and then it's fair because of my musical ability. Uh, launching the flavor Bonnaroo Buzz, we had the Grammy-winning band Oza Motley uh, that was at the kickoff. So I was emceeing the event 
played some harmonica to start off with, and I said, I'm not with a band, but I just want to say that I've played this legendary Bowery Ballroom in New York City. After the band came up, as we were eating the flavor, they said, hey, you want to come sit in? And, and so I uh, got to sit in with the band Oza Motley, and, and that was certainly a treat. We actually created a hot air balloon tour uh, about 20 years ago with Ben and Jerry's, and from that, uh, I learned that you could be trained on half hot air balloons. So I actually uh, went and was officially trained through the FAA for, uh, to get my hot air balloon license uh, so I could fly for, uh, for uh, both personal, and, and so that's my personal hot air balloon there, uh, as well as, as try to be uh, prepared for some Ben and Jerry's ballooning. Uh, so that's uh, some of the work that I've got to do and some of the, the brag stuff I've got. The hard part of my job, the difficult, difficult part is managing the relationships with some of these celebrities. So having to work with Stephen Colbert, who's hilariously funny, uh, a wonderful human being. Uh, Stephen, I will uh, put this video up on, on my Twitter account as well. Stephen donates all of his proceeds from American Dream to help out with the environment's issues and veterans issues. So he has the American Dream Fund that, that um, benefits from all of, of the work of that he's put in and that his, his show folks put in. And what you'll see on that video is that Stephen allows all of his employees and says, why don't the employees get a chance? They're doing all the work to put a cool show together. So he lets each of his employees get a vote on where the money goes, divide it up. And so in the video, you'll see that uh, Stephen sits there and reads off all of the names that benefit from that. From uh, the, the Stephen Colbert flavor over to Jimmy Fallon's flavor, the Tonight Show, uh, Jimmy Fallon's flavor happened because his entire uh, uh, band, The Roots, dressed up as Ladysmith Snack Mombazo, where they sing about their favorite foods. And so they did a three-minute song about Ben and Jerry's where, where Jimmy was singing, Ben and Jerry's ice cream is so good. Uh, and so the whole crew on this, this great skit and uh, to say thank you, we sent over about a dozen pints of ice cream and said, please thank the writers. It was really nice that you folks included us in your show. And uh, from that, we get a, I got a phone call in my office that was a woman said, hey, I'm Kelly, I'm Jimmy's assistant. He wants to get on the phone and say thank you. And so from that phone discussion, I said, I'm in New York City every 10 weeks in non-COVID times. So I'd love to stop by and bring ice cream and scoop out for all of your staff, you know, the 150, 200 people that work there. And so from doing that, I scooped out ice cream that day, I went to visit, and then the last person to come in was Jimmy who said, hey, let's come sit in my office and talk about what we could do together. And from that discussion, uh, you know, we said at the time, Stephen had a flavor. We weren't looking to have every comedian get their own flavor, but uh, it was Jimmy Fallon. It was this really cool opportunity. So we ended up uh, developing a flavor called Late Night Snack as Jimmy's first flavor. Uh, and that lasted three or four years. And then when he took over for the Tonight Show, we invented this flavor called the, the Tonight Dough. But one of our best-selling flavors in the last uh, uh, five years or so since it's been out. So a real tremendous uh, partnership. And Jay Fallon uh, donates all of his proceeds to the Fun Children's Network. So serious fun for those of you who were Paul Newman fans. Uh, Paul Newman started a group called the Hole in the Wall Gang, which was a summer camp to benefit kids who are differently abled uh, and, so, and, and kids who are seriously ill. So Paul Newman identified that this was a gap that most kids who are uh, blind or who have blood diseases or uh, who would need, you know, intensive uh, uh, hospital care or care from nurses and doctors or in a wheelchair couldn't go to summer camp. And all of a sudden you go see the hole in the wall gang. And, and as you're standing there and you see a, a wheelchair go flying over your head on a zip line that some kid is able to go to camp for that. So 
It's this tremendous organization that's now grown into a global organization, the Sears Fund Children's Network. So love that. Uh, if you give them a, a peek sometimes, go go and let them know. Uh, you know, you don't have to buy the ice cream, but check out the camp because it's a, a really cool, amazing thing that they do. Uh, and it's always for, for the kids. Uh, so it, it's an amazing opportunity. So that's some of what I get to do, right? With my, my job as PR Kuba, I also get to, you know, write the serious business of chunks and swirls, uh, product launches, campaigns that we do, and we're gonna get into some of those now. So to start with, what underlies all of this action that Ben and Jerry's does? Like I said, Ben had his first statement, business has a responsibility to give back community. Uh, that was in 1979, the first year of first anniversary of Ben and Jerry's from 1978. It was actually nine years after that statement, in 1988, the company came up with this mission statement. It was drafted by our board of directors and uh, and actually cut down the business that day. I remember I was working there in 1988 and we went to a, a hotel uh, a conference room and we all got together and presented this statement and, and asked for employees support of it or edits. And so this is the final version that came out of it. So the idea of Ben and Jerry's mission is that we have three parts that should be equally weighted. So that's why they are set up beside each other in this statement. It's not that if we make some money, then we can make some away. That's not the way that, that this mission is. So our belief is that we wanna make the best quality products that we can. We wanna make a fair return as a business, right? As opposed to most businesses that say they'll have in their bylaws, we wanna maximize shareholder value. We don't wanna maximize it. We wanna make a fair return, but we also then wanna be able to use some of that money, some of that uh, resources to be able to look at the social mission, uh, which is the part that is mostly unique to Ben and Jerry's, right? There are other incredible ice creams that are out there. Hopefully we think ours is the best, uh, but we also know that the social mission is a, a huge distinguishing factor for Ben and Jerry's. That, that's what's set up because we want to use this value of business to try to get that, get out there and do good, right? You'll never see Ben & Jerry's TV ads pretty much because it costs a lot of money. Uh, not sure how effective they are. We would rather put the money into doing things that we believe in and then trying to practice uh, those values and have our fans connect with us that way. Our co-founder Ben says, the strongest relationship that you can have with your fans is through shared values. And that is entirely our belief. So there's our mission and you can find this online if you need it. So what I would like to, uh, to share with you is a lot of people say, okay, I get it. You do cool things or try to do good things so people will then buy your ice cream. And that is not what we do. Uh, the difference is in calculated marketing that you see there, kind of the, the blue shapes across the top. If you are a business, uh, and, and let's say, I don't want to pick on anyone, let's say uh, if you're a on that tries to reach out, maybe your target market is a 40-year-old to 65-year-old women, you might say, I'm going to identify an issue that is going to be a concern to them, so like uh, breast cancer. And you might say, we're going to donate one cent our proceeds to breast cancer research. That's tremendous. There's nothing wrong with that. That's very honorable. But it is cause-related marketing for some of those businesses where they're looking to get involved with so you will buy their product. The difference for us at Ben & Jerry's, value activism, you see is the green shapes along the bottom. So there, we want to take a stance on what is the issue for Ben & Jerry's. 
So we practice what we believe, we take a stance on that issue, and then we try to move towards that in our hands and hopefully the, the community along with us to that decision. So it may not help us sell ice cream, and that's fine with us. Uh, it may actually hurt our sales of ice cream. Some people might say, I don't believe in the stance that you're taking, so I'm going to not buy your product anymore. And we respect people actually supporting those companies that they do feel have aligned values. But for us, we see ourselves as the on-ramp to a lot of these issues. A lot of them are big challenging issues, right? When you talk about issues like global warming, well, Ben and Jerry was not an expert in global warming. Uh, and so we'll use uh, a, a partner to coach us through that. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But in terms of, of taking a stance, you know, we will end up saying, how do we have an impact uh, on global warming? We can't do that alone as a company. But if we bring it along, and our fans are saying the same things, alone as a fan, how can you one person make an impact on global warming? But instead, we would start, for example, we did the Save Our Swirls campaign about five years ago, uh, where we knew there was the COP21 coming up, the Conference of Parties in Paris. We knew it would be the largest gathering of world leaders that were going to be discussing renewable energy. And so we started the planning a year in advance to put on a campaign and a tour that had the globe. In the U.S., we actually purchased a Tesla as an electric vehicle that we said, this will not global warming. And we took that around the U.S. And we were able to talk about the Save Our Swirl and flavor that we put on the shelves to support that campaign. So we are, again, taking to the streets, bringing the ice cream. That is how we will ab we're able to then gather up signatures and uh, get uh, hundreds of folks to hear, have their voice heard by their world, their world leaders when we went to Paris and brought all of those books. So that's the difference for us is saying cause-related marketing, again, nothing wrong with that, but we think values-led marketing and, and uh, being values-led as an organization can be deeper and can have a, a deeper meaning throughout. Again, we're experts in one thing at Ben & Jerry's and that is making ice cream. When it comes to these issues, we rely on partners, right? And that's where I say there is no magic sauce. Any business can reach out to these partners and say, I want to learn more about racial equity. I want to learn more about what we do as a business. And so the folks that you see listed at the top of this slide are great resources and, and happy to share further resources, right? So one thing, as we've done this work and focused on it the last four or five years on racial equity, some people will ask us, do you think there's an impact on racial equity uh, in, across the U.S.? And I say, no, I don't think we have. I can tell you that our employees are much more knowledgeable and that we try to then include that in the work that we do, right? And so the difference is when you're doing that work internally to be able to grow your foundation and your understanding of the racial equity work, that is where you can have ownership. That's where I can say I see a measured improvement with our employees to understand that. And we are certainly not perfect at Ben & Jerry's. We are in a state that's 94% white. Our employee body resembles that. It is uh, not where we want it to be. And so we're trying to do that work internally uh, and, and working with a lot of these folks who are experts that can coach us through. Right? So whether it worked with NAACP, you'll, you'll hear about a campaign coming up on that. Uh, the ACLU, over the past year or two, we had uh, Jeffrey Robinson from the ACLU who comes in and does this incredibly powerful three-hour presentation on the history of slavery and how we as a nation have recorded the history really not include a lot of it because it doesn't make us feel good. 
And so the issue is while a lot of us will say we went to school, we went to elementary school or high school or college or grad school, we did not reflect issues and stories like uh, the Tulsa massacre, massacre that happened in terms of uh, a white community coming into this, you know, de fully developed black community that had lawyers and doctors and banks and stores and were operating just fine. And because uh, um, a made up issue, they ended up coming in and, and trying to take a young black man to punish him for that. The people that were there put fight and uh, ended up then having their entire city burned to the ground. And as people came running out of burning buildings were shot. So that's not something that we've heard in our, our history books. That's something that we gloss over. Uh, and, and what we're challenging ourselves is to try to learn this history and understand it. And so if your organization is, is believing that they want to be on that same journey, having someone like Jeffrey Robinson from the ACLU come in and speak to your organization is sobering, it's painful, it's embarrassing, it's something that we don't want to talk about as a country. If you do that work for your organization, you can grow your own foundation and your own quotient to be able to understand these issues better and understand why it makes sense to take action on these. What you see, the list that's there uh, on in text underneath the images is work that we're currently doing internally at Ben and Jerry's. These are breakout groups that we're are currently uh, operating that are trying to look at what is our culture at Ben and Jerry's office. Like I said, we are very poor, uh, diverse employees. And so how do we try to take that work? How do we understand better? How do we create a culture in our business that will be supportive so more people of color will want to work at our headquarters? The suppliers, right? We talked about it a little bit. The video that I posted on my, my Twitter and uh, at PR Puba is of the Grayston Bakery. So Grayston Bakery been a partner for Ben and Jerry's. I believe we're, we're pretty close to 30 years at this point. Uh, it's in uh, Yonkers, New York. It's a mostly black neighborhood. It employs homeless people. It gives them job skills and training, and it provides them a place to live for the homeless people. Thought is to try to get these folks a chance to get their lives back on track uh, and give them a job and a place to live. And if people graduate from Grayson and go on to work elsewhere and move out on and to get their own housing, they consider it a tremendous success. So we could purchase a cheaper brownie and say, we can make more money off of just buying a cheaper brownie, but instead we'd commit Grayson Bakery. They also utilize a, a process called uh, open hiring. So they use one day where they say, uh, I think it's uh, Wednesday, they'll say, okay, line up outside if you're looking for work. Uh, there's no screening of those people in terms of their past history. There's no uh, issues about if they've been previously incarcerated and, and the predominant number of folks who do sign up either have had time in prison or have had time with, with uh, drug use or abuse. And so the idea with open hiring is giving people a second chance, giving them a shot at being able to come in to have uh, an apprenticeship for, for a few months where they can learn the, the skills, be able to get that practice back into their daily behavior and then have a practice. Uh, and so the video that you'll see on my Twitter account is of uh, the baker Dion, who, Dion who is a, uh, who's now a supervisor there. Uh, and it's this tremendous uh, testament to the work that Grayson Bakery does. So please check them out and, and support them. They also make a small retail brownie you may see in, in stores of Whole Foods that they sell that's that's uh, tr tremendous quality. And so Ben and Jerry's purchases 20,000 pounds of browning them every day. And that's how uh, we can help support with our suppliers. And we need to do more than that, right? More of that is that second bullet point of supplier engagement for us to be able to look at more Black-owned business, how we support them.
our franchisees, we've got about 250 Ben and Jerry scoop shops around the country, right? We mentioned a couple in Charlotte. And for those of you elsewhere in the Southeast, I heard someone speak Atlanta. We've got a great uh, scoop shop. I was just down at Inman Park. Uh, and, and so please do look to support those folks. They're all independent. They do uh, get a chance to be able to activate their values in their local communities so they can take Ben and Jerry's larger campaigns like we have done, mentioned some of those here and then bring those to life. What does that mean in Atlanta to, to do racial equity work? and those folks are doing it. So please do, do check them out and please do support them. And that bullet point of, of franchising network is how do we continue to improve that? Again, our number of, of black franchises is not very impressive. It's a handful of folks that, have, uh, that are in our system. Truly uh, tremendous folks, but we need to grow that. We need to understand what is it that we can do to support that. And then the last bullet point there is these KPIs. What do we, right, the, the quotes, uh, you treasure what you measure. Uh, what is it that we need to measure in terms of this work and what being, and so that's again where the folks are at the top of this page, whether it's advancement project, color change, ACLU, NAACP or DEMOS can help advise us on that. They are helping to do the, the work for us and, and to provide the expert guidance and what is it that we need to measure so we understand. The next page here shows actually, uh, well, this is the work we've been doing in the last few weeks. So uh, I appreciate, uh, Natasha was the one who came up with the title for, for today's presentation, it was a title that we used uh, a week ago, uh, and it was actually over, over two weeks we stretched this out, but it was for our internal folks. So this was just for our, uh, our team at Ben & Jerry's headquarters in Vermont, for our employees who work manufacturing that could tune in, and some Ben & Jerry's partners around the globe. So we held what was called the Science is Not an Option uh, campaign. So this was done by our activism team at Ben & Jerry's that works for our, our social mission department. that has about five or six individuals. So they lined up quite an impressive uh, look that you can see there. So uh, we had Ibram Kendi, uh, who you probably know is the author of How to Be an Anti-Racist. Uh, that was just a tremendous talk to understand, uh, you know, his, his thought of you don't just uh, uh, not use the N-word and then that claimed people is, now I'm, I'm not a racist. That's not how it goes. Uh, and so uh, Dr. Kendi was able to, uh, his book, which is tremendous, if you haven't read it, it's a, it's a very good read uh, to understand how to be active and involved in this work. Uh, you see the rest of the list there of Vinita Gupta, a uh, formal head of the Civil Rights Division, uh, spoke to us uh, about kind of what uh, the Civil Rights Division of uh, the Department of Justice could be doing and should be doing today and, and the work that she did when she was there. Uh, we had uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee talking about the HR 40 bill, right? So that's uh, the one to say we need to examine uh, what would reparations look like. Uh, we understand uh, a lot of people are scared when you talk reparations. A lot of white people are really scared when you talk reparations. And so this, it's good for white people to understand and everyone to, to understand HR 40 bill is to put together a committee to examine what it's not about saying here's one one check that needs to happen. What is it that we see as the long lasting effects of slavery on our country and, and on the black people in our country specifically and what should we be doing to take care of that. So uh, HR 40 is a bill we we've, we've talked about publicly supporting before and, and is again part of our focus right now and, and ongoing. Uh, and then the last one that you saw mentioned there was was uh, attorney Ben Crump and Philanese Floyd. He actually had uh, George Floyd's brother who sat in on this call. Uh, it was this tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous learning opportunity, right? When when we talk about, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, this statement that we put out, uh, but to hear the words of, of George Floyd's brother who uh, just described what George was like, 
and and would tell these eloquent stories of uh, you know George walking into the kitchen and grabbing his mom and um, you know playing Marvin Gaye music and dancing with his mother through kitchen. He is not a statistic. He was a man who was murdered. And uh, that piece for us to be able to internalize, to be able to understand, uh, it's a, a, a tremendous, a tremendously sad learning opportunity, but it is a learning opportunity for us, uh, both for my organization, for me as an individual, and I think for other organizations and, and for our country to be able to hear that story and, and uh, be able to have a person behind what happened in that tragedy. So this is how we kind of got into the, the work that we've been doing right now. In December 2015, we sent our foundation, the Ben and Jerry's Foundation, the team down to North Carolina. We knew we wanted to get more involved with justice. Uh, we were a mostly white company coming from a mostly white state and saying, uh, we cannot just walk in and say, we've got all the answers and we're here to help and then pat ourselves on the back and check the box to say that we did something good. Instead, our foundation helped make this meeting with NGOs in North Carolina. We chose North Carolina both because of a nice balance of, of uh, black and white people in the state, a nice balance of Democrats and Republicans in the state, and also its history of being a uh, civil rights, uh, a tremendous uh, uh, player in the civil rights history. And so we sent our team down there to talk with these NGOs. So in that picture that you see on the left, uh, in the yellow shirt up front is our beloved co-founder, Mr. Jerry Greenfield. Uh, to, to his left in a purple sweater uh, is Jennifer Henderson, who's been a board member for us for 20, 25 years in the Independent and Jerry's Board of Directors. And on the far left, Anya Rada Matal, is uh, our current Benjamin chair of the board and uh, along with the rest of the group that's there there's probably a half dozen manufacturing worker in Ben and Jerry's, about a half dozen uh, Ben and Jerry's from our corporate office. Uh, our franchisees, they see uh, uh, in the left second row over there is Antonio McBroom, uh, who is our, our Ben and Jerry's franchisee, who's a kind of Chapel Hill area. He's got a few up there uh, and a few more in, in the Southeast division. So uh, it was our team that we sent down to say, uh, talk to us about how we can be impactful. How can we be helpful in racial justice? Because it was just getting starting, like I said, the post was from 2016 it was the month after we had visited uh, the the NGOs we talked to said it's a it's a voting year our our people are very apathetic around voting because their votes seem like they haven't counted and so uh, that was a learning journey we can talk about it uh, unto its own uh, right we started hearing these stories about things that are happening even in 2016 that still happen today in terms of uh, uh, creating voting districts gerrymandering districts so it either diffuses all the black people so they don't have the power to be able to elect someone or it puts them all into one district so they can't uh, uh, have any effect in other districts. And so we actually did a post you can find on Ben and Jerry's that says, is this a Rorschach ink block, ink block or is it voting? And so the images would be a shape like that. It would be this an obscene shape that it was not a square, it was not a circle, it was these obscene shapes and out of the 10, I will uh, give you the secret that all 10 of those that we posted are actually gerrymandered districts. That's still happening in our society today. And here's another thing that we learned around, uh, around voter suppression. One thing that was happening that I believe actually got involved in shortly after this, uh, this learning that we had in early 2016 was looking at voting communities. So if you have a, a community of maybe 200,000 white people and you put out 30 voting booths and it's election day, they come in, they stand in line for 14 minutes, they vote and they leave. They go back to work or, or whatever they're doing the rest of their day. And 
a black community the same size of 200,000 people, maybe there's six voting booths. And so black people would have to go stand in line in their community and wait six hours or eight hours or have to take the day off of work. So that kind of voter suppression we know is still happening today. Uh, and something for us as a business and, uh, you know, speak as an individual, I didn't understand that still happened in, in uh, today's day and age. As a corporation, we didn't understand that this was still happening in today's day and age. A lot of the black people who are on this call right now are nodding their heads like this still happens in today's day and age. And so it was a learning opportunity for us. And then that we try to utilize and, and bring out, I think we've probably since we began this effort in early 2016, we've probably put out somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,000 or 3,500 pieces of content to talk about these racial issues, right? The, the racial justice things that we have participated in and learned about, that post that you see in the top right-hand corner that says seven ways we know systemic racism is real. That's one of the pieces of content that we'll put out. Amazing, as an ice cream company, this was one of the best performing posts that we've ever put out. We know because we measure the number of hits of people who've clicked on it, how long they stay on that page. As an ice cream company, there's some sadness to, there's no reason that we'd be the education for people. We're glad people are getting it from there, but we need to do better. We need to look at our education process. We need to be able to include this information and learn it in, in, in other places that's not just going to Ben and Jerry's. What you see in the lower right-hand corner was that effort in 2016 after talking to those NGOs and trying to come up with a campaign. Well, we call it Democracy is in Your Hands, and we put out this flavor called Empower Mint. So we used this flavor, scooped it on the streets, registered people to vote in North Carolina, and uh, it reminded them of the importance to vote to hopefully fight some of that apathy that's been built up because of all of this suppression. During this year in 2016, we uh, saw that there was a murder of a, a black man, another black man. Uh, it happened, uh, there was controversy around it. It was, uh, a, again, a shooting that happened that was just adding to, to this name, you know, this list of names that George Floyd added to. Uh, and so we had not, as a company, talked about supporting Black Lives Matter going into this campaign. This happened and this was a reaction. This was us looking uh, at how do we stay involved in this issue. And if we're truly committed to racial equity, we then need to dive into the deep end of the pool and take the stance and, and be part of it. It was really controversial. It was amazing. This was in 2016 uh, that it happened that you see in the, in the fall there in October. And it was, uh, we received an amazing amount of, of uh, email and phone calls to our office with people saying, it's a terrorist organization. You're saying that police aren't worthy. Uh, and so it created a, a tremendous amount of controversy. It was also, I think, a chance for our company to, to take a stance and uh, be able to lead with values and say, uh, we will try to, to get out here and, and support this movement, uh, maybe before most organizations would. Since then, we've continued on, on that work, right, around racial equity, whether it was the vote yes or the Amendment 4 campaign in Florida that was restoring uh, uh, returning citizens who have done in prison to restore their right to vote because previously they didn't have their right to vote. So we also had a on the streets in Florida scooping ice cream to support that campaign. And, and uh, thankfully, the vote went through. There's still some suppression happening around that, but we're hopeful uh, that that will continue to happen to have folks who have done served their time to be able to vote. In order, uh, to take a stance against the current administration's uh, support of women, people of color, and the environment, we did this flavor called Pecan Resist. 
that is a play on the say of we can resist. Uh, we could have taken a, a negative look at it and said, let's put out a, a flavor around, you know, President Trump. Uh, we're not partisan as a company, so we don't advise people to vote for individuals, but we are uh, uh, very political in terms of the fact that we get involved with issues that we care about. And when we see the way that the current administration has not supported women or people of color or the environment, it gave us the opportunity to recognize some of the groups who are doing good work that benefit from some of the profits of these pints. And we actually had an artist, Fabiana Rodriguez, created the look of the pint, which we said we wanted to be specifically uh, uh, around those issues, women and people of color. And, and that's why uh, she did the tremendous design that she did. In terms of doing content, what's that left-hand corner, that's the kind of content that I'm talking about that we'll do, uh, uh, you know, probably dozens a month that we'll put up in our, our social media channels and on our dot-com space that it tries to raise people's awareness around what is our history? How do we face up to that? How do we have ownership? How do we understand issues like redlining in terms of people coming home from the war and seeing stimulus of the economy to build houses and make them available to everyone except for Black people? So the idea was group all the black people in one part of town so it doesn't affect the real estate prices in other parts of the town. Uh, that's part of our history. We need to understand that, we need to own that, and we need to look at what do we do about that. The Justice Remix campaign that you see there on the lower right-hand side is uh, was our work around criminal justice reform we've done the last couple years, right? Uh, uh, criminal justice reform is another staggering issue of the amazing number and, and uh, the number is is uh, changing depending on which expert you, you consult, but uh, some say 30, 40 or more percent of people that are in prison are there because they're poor. They couldn't buy their way out of, of uh, what they were charged with. They couldn't pay off the tickets, uh, uh, right? It wasn't about a trying an illegal way to get out. They just couldn't pay off the, the tickets that they were charged with. And so the tremendous number of people who are imprisoned uh, in our society to have 5% of the world's population, but quadruple that of, of the number of people who are in prison is staggering and uh, is something needs to be done about that. So we've been doing work, bringing out a flavor and, and working on that. And then most recently with the murder of George Floyd, we put out the statement. Uh, it was uh, one that received a lot of attention. I think part of it be, was because of uh, its uh, frank language, right? And, and language is important when you're talking about these issues, when you're talking about racial justice, uh, to recognize white supremacy, to recognize that George, it wasn't an untimely demise of George Floyd, it was a murder of a man. Uh, and to be able to use those words and then also call out actions of what people can do, right? To, to look at those things like HR 40, to look at uh, what the Floyd family is, is uh, suggesting we, we form as in a committee to be able to address uh, policing, uh, to look at President Trump's response, how he has responded to either protests and or riots. And we know there are both, and we know that uh, uh, it's easy to get headlines to say uh, that they're the same, and, and we believe that they're not. And so we put out this statement uh, and, and have continued since because the issue hasn't stopped, right? We, we took a stance on uh, supporting the defund the police uh, movement. It's one that we have incorporated into our work. We've definitely been operating with an invest divest strategy to divest and take money out of those things that we feel like, like criminal justice reform and put more money into activities. So part of it, uh, you can find on our website, uh, we've been trying to close the workhouse prison in St. Louis, uh, which uh, just we, it was announced last week that that was closing, a tremendous thing to learn. Uh, we've been working on stopping the school to prison pipeline down in uh, Miami uh, that, and, and looking at how do you eliminate that. So we asked the local school there to not put more money into more police officers to come into the school, but put more money into to mental health counselors to be able to provide services so you don't need more police officers. 
And then most recently, the Stop Hate for Profit campaign that most of you folks are aware of around spending on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, ben and Jerry's has uh, taken a break in July to be able to say we're not going to put any spent uh, time in, in spent advertising in Facebook, and we want to try to support uh, the Stop Hate for Profit campaign because most of our, our a lot of our, our partners that you saw listed there, NAACP, Color of Change, uh, the Anti-Defamation League, all those folks are leading this work. We think it's important, and so we're actively supporting that. So here was an article that was in Fast Company that came out and said, you know, uh, if you want to speak out like Ben and Jerry's, again, I like to debunk, there's no magic around this, people. It's getting involved, it's practicing those values. It's certainly this message that we put out around dismantling white supremacy landed because of the timing, right? Partly because of the timing of COVID, we've all been inside, it's a pent up a pressure cooker, uh, partly because of the timing around another murder of a black man. Uh, the language that we use was very specific, right? Those words really do matter. And so it's important that we choose those words wisely. Uh, having action, both suggesting action to take in that statement we did, but also having taken the action that we have over the last four or five years earned you some legitimacy. And I think if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't be able to make that statement. Right. What we see other organizations that might post a statement that says we stand with our black brothers and sisters at this difficult time. What's being pushed back at those organizations now are people saying, yeah, how? What are you doing? What actions are you taking? How are you standing with our black brothers and sisters? Right. And it's a fair question. And, and it doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers in an organization. You can start out small and really make an impact. That It's an important thing. You don't need to be Ben and Jerry's. You need to be the company that you are. And to be able to practice that and find a way that it works with your values and to be able to take some action is the most important thing. And that's what builds the authenticity that you see listed there. I want to end with, uh, again, uh, Rep. John Lewis. Uh, he talked about this with, with the Freedom Rides that he did. I think it was 1959 uh, that uh, there was, even though there was a national law that said transportation should not be segregated, it was still segregated in the South. And so Rep. Lewis got on with one of the original 13 riders going from DC to uh, New Orleans. And along the way, uh, they would get out and sit in the sections that said for white people only. They were in uh, Alabama when they were beaten and bloodied and uh, then ended up being thrown in jail in Mississippi. Uh, what Rep. Lewis said, I believe it was 40 days, if that's not correct, which is a staggering thing. I mean, you think of the, of the interruptions we allow in our daily schedule. How many of us give 44 minutes to, to supporting a cause? Uh, and, and Rep. Lewis tells the story of being thrown in prison, uh, being closed to, to dehumanize them. They still held uh, peaceful, nonviolent uh, educational ses uh, sessions while they were in prison together. Uh, they, they would sing songs. They built this solidarity. Uh, and the quote that he has here, no one wants to, to be beaten or feel pain or go to jail. If it's the price you must pay to be free, liberated, and whole, then it's a price we must pay. He called it having an executive session with himself. And so my challenge for you today is have an executive session with yourselves. Have an, an and if, you know, all of us are, are public relations professionals and communications professionals that are tuned in right now, then have an executive session with your executives and ask them, what is it that you can be doing as a company? I'm going to pause there and hopefully open this up so we can have some questions and answers and uh, be able to take a break from me speaking. Thanks so much for listening. Sean, that was tremendous. We certainly appreciate uh, you sharing that insight and the journey that Ben and Jerry's has been on. We do have a lot of questions. We're going to try to get to as many of those as possible. And Natasha, I believe you have one ready. I do, um, Brad. So, Sean, Simone says she really commends Ben and Jerry's values and ways that you all address um, civic issues. 
Um, she said, it seems more challenging in red versus blue states like Vermont. What advice for red states when basic human rights still aren't legal? It's a great question, right? And, and uh, you know, we know uh, a lot of folks will be like, oh, Ben and Jerry's, you're from this bleeding liberal state up in Vermont and uh, you're all left leaning. And there is some truth to that. That is definitely a p political persuasion. I think appealing to people's human decency is part of it, right? I think being able to use education, this learning opportunity for people to understand things, right? If you, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sitting at my family's camp right now with uh, my father in the next room who uh, was a Republican state senator in Vermont for 10 years. He's a decent man. And, and while we may come at issues politically differently, when I talk to him about Tulsa, or when I talk to him about what we see today in terms of voting uh, 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 suppression, uh, he wants to give people a fair chance too. So I think use that opportunity to talk in those red states, share what the education is that, that you can, the things that you've learned, the things that you've heard today, the things that, right, this is not Ben and Jerry's history, this is our country's history. So use that opportunity to talk to them, appeal to their decency, uh, raise their awareness. And, and I think that's uh, where we can all start, right? And we can all go from there and, and hope for uh, being able to challenge individuals and businesses then to be able to take action. Sean, with a focus on advocacy and the possibility of products being banned, boycotted, or canceled, as they say in the culture now, how do you manage the business risk from a PR perspective? You know, uh, great question. And it's very understandable. I, I, I was just sitting on a panel a week ago where they said uh, a small B corporation business was saying, I get my best advertising return in, on Facebook and, and I want to support this movement, but I can't because that's the only way I can advertise, right? It, it ties into this question a little bit. Uh, what I can share with you is Ben and Jerry's has been doing equity and activism work throughout our history. So for more than 40 years, we've been doing this. We have managed to be profitable, very profitable. We've managed to uh, continue to grow our business all the time. And when we have our own consumer services team there, when we go in and say, even when we take a stance on these controversial issues and you say, oh, they're, the phones are ringing off the hook and we got thousands of emails over the course of a year, that adds up to 1% of what our consumer services team receives for feedback is people saying, I don't like your stance on this position. But, you know, there's dozens more percentages of people going, I didn't get enough cookie dough in my cookie dough ice cream. So if you think that this taking a stance is going to kill your business, I would, I would challenge you to think about it. I think today, and, and I know Natasha quoted at the beginning with the Edelman quote, today's consumers in the you know 15 to 30 35 year old range they want you to take a stance they want you to be involved they want you to make a difference and i think you're missing the boat for your company if you don't do that uh, you have a tremendous opportunity to cut through the clutter by being a business that does align with the values of your fans so so come at it from that side very good thank you um sean and we'll try to get to as many of these questions as we can yeah um, so with focus on advocacy and possibility of products being banned, how do you manage risk for business from a PR perspective, success and fail? Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, from PR, I tend to have my name on a lot of those press releases. Uh, and so I get a lot of the, the feedback. Sometimes it's just people, right? When, when we've taken a stance to support same-sex marriage about a half dozen years ago, my name was on a press release. And overnight, I probably had 2,000 emails of people saying, I, I you know disagree. I don't think that's right. Uh, for most of those that were negative, I put those in one folder and I go, okay, they're going to get the standard canned response that says, thank you for your feedback. We will add this in and we'll share this with our corporate team and, and our executive leadership, which we did. 
for the ones that are, and I, so I went through them individually and looked at them, the ones that were on the fence that said, uh, I was grown up in a community or, or taught that this isn't right and I don't understand why you're doing this. Can you share more with me? I had a personal conversation with those folks, either on email or on phone to talk to them and say, this is what we believe in individual rights. We believe that people should be uh, to love who they love and that uh, it is kind of an outdated, outdated, nation, outdated notion to, to, uh, to come at it in a different way. And so uh, I've explained that to some people and a handful of folks would say, okay, I, I like that. I support that. A handful said, okay, I see what you're saying. I, I still don't think this is the right decision for me. And so I don't want to support your company. We're okay with that at Ben and Jerry's. We don't need everybody to love our product or love our values. And what we find is we're able to take a stance on these issues. And while yes, we may lose some consumers uh, uh, and, and folks who don't support us because of what we've done, we also gain folks. And in that case, with that decision around supporting same-sex marriage, I'd also have emails that would say, uh, you know, I'm a mom in Chicago. I'm writing to you because my wife and I were able to take this story to our daughter and tell her uh, there's an ice cream company in Vermont who recognizes our marriage and recognizes that we love each other. Please keep doing what you're doing. And that's what keeps us going forward. Sean, who do you guys lean on for advice and counsel to make sure that you're hitting the right tone with your advocacy? You know, definitely, like I said, those experts, right? We're, we're experts in making ice cream. There are experts, when, when we did a global warming campaign, we work with the Union of Concerned Scientists to talk to us about global warming because we're not experts in global warming. As we've been doing this race, racial equity work, we've, as you saw there as a team, there's probably another list twice as long as that in terms of NAACP and ACLU and Advancement Project, uh, Color of Change, just tremendous advocates. And they're able, the, what we want to do, we tend to partner with the people who are on the streets getting the work done. So there may be larger organizations that are doing some of this, but the folks who are there that are getting the work done, it's a tremendous opportunity to partner with. And like I said, you can start small. You don't need to be a business that has $50 million of sales a year. You can be a small business of three people. You can look in your local community at who is uh, representing the, the black community and, and be able to talk with them, be able to support them, find a way that... Uh, your business connects with their values to be able to say, how can, how can you do that? So definitely find good partners. It, it's certainly a secret uh, of part of how Ben and Jerry's has been able to get involved with this. And with racial equity issues, we just had a, uh, like a 30 year uh, expert on racial equity issues that we had a meeting with our franchisee community. I think Natasha and I talked about the story saying, uh, one of our franchisee owners who's a white woman said, I know I'm privileged. I know I don't get what even how I, I'm not an expert in this. So I, I'm scared about getting involved. I'm going to make a mistake. And the woman uh, who was a black woman who's a 30 year advocate around race issues said, I make mistakes every day around this issue. If you come at it with the right intentions and trying to do good work, people will give you some leeway. They will let you make mistakes when you have the right Thing in mind. So start with that and, and ask for that forgiveness. If you need to say, I'm still learning around this, so this, this may not be entirely right, that's fine. We're all learning about it every day. Um, Sean, that's a great um, sort of segue into this next question from Haley. She says, many companies are afraid to get involved until the perfect message is crafted. What is your stance in your team's process? 
Yeah, we, you know, we've tried. I mean, there are times in our history where we have no plan, right? Right now, we're working on, a, a, we made a commitment around, we, we're taxing ourselves on carbon emissions that we put out, right? If we're committed to the environment, we need to do that. And so we're looking at our own. So we have a self-imposed carbon tax that we're using right now uh, of, uh, I think it's $10 per metric ton that we put into a fund and then use to try to invest in uh, technologies to, to help address that situation. We don't know how we're going to get to. We've committed to, to reducing the energy usage and the impact in the environment. We don't know how we're going to get there over the next five years, but we're committed to it and we'll figure it out. We did the same thing with a, a commitment to fair trade, fair trade right sources, ingredients from developing communities or around the globe. We didn't know how we were going to make it work, but we said we know it's the right thing to do. And so we said in three years, we're going to be fully fair trade with all the ingredients that we can get fair trade. We got to the end of that three years. We weren't there. We had about 60% of the product line. And when people would ask us, how's it going? We'd say, you know what? We didn't make the deadline. We're only 60% fair trade, but we're committed to doing it and figuring it out. It took us another year to figure it out and finally get it resolved. Nobody cared. Nobody called us out on it. Nobody said, wow, that's terrible, Ben and Jerry's. You thought you'd do it in three years and you took four? We were trying to do the right thing. There's so much uh, allowance, I think, that people will give you when you're trying to do the right thing. And I think this will be our last question uh, from Milton from our Memphis chapter. How do you handle internal messaging with senior leadership or any employee whose political opinions mm -hmm. may differ from that of the company? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and we have political opinions all, all over throughout our organization, right? So uh, if I give you some framework here in Vermont, our headquarters is about 100 people in Burlington. We have about 425 to 450 manufacturing employees that work at our two plants that are here a half an hour south and a half an hour north of Burlington. So 100 corporate office employees that tend to be more progressive, left-leaning. Uh, our manufacturing team is 450 people who I'd say are probably more uh, right-leaning and, and uh, more conservative in terms of political values. When we come up with a position like this for our company, what we try to work through in terms of the internal process, we first need to make sure that our board of directors and our leadership team are on board to understand that they agree and they feel like it's the right message, the, the right tactics and, and campaigns that we're working on. And then we try to take that to our employees. The thought is, so, and, and I'm involved in part of that with, with uh, internal communications as well. When we go to our employees, the idea is not saying we are trying to get you to agree with us. We need to respect that you're gonna have some employees that don't, uh, that are gonna have different opinions and that is entirely fine. What we want to do in that internal communication process is be able to explain what we're doing, whether it's pecan resist as a flavor or uh, dismantling white supremacy as a statement. The, the goal should be if your employees have the information to be able to explain to their family and their friends to be able to say, I may not agree with this, but this is why the company feels it's the right thing to match the company's values. When they can have those conversations in their backyards, we've done our job as communicators. Well, that's a great way to end. Listen, Sean Greenwood, you are wonderful. Thank you for the work that you and um, your colleagues at Ben and Jerry's are doing. This is very important work. Thank you so much for sharing with our um, fellow PRSA colleagues and others today. Listen, everyone, I'm sorry we didn't get to all the questions, but certainly um, Sean may be willing to answer a question or two on his Twitter feed or his Twitter um, page. Certainly. And um, again, just thank you so much. Continue to look for the PRSA Charlotte uh, website and look at the uh, Southeast District website um, to find out about all the upcoming events. So again, thank you everyone.